What would the world look like if there was no help? Now, if you haven't caught on, our aim as made is to reimagine the role of help in South Africa. So this is a question that Tulisa and I get asked pretty often. The truth is, we don't know the answer to this question. <laughs> but it's always interesting to entertain uh, different possibilities, which is what we'd like to do today in a game of If There Were No Help. Are you excited? I'm nervous. I'm not at all prepared, so I'm very nervous. <laughs> well, if it helps, I just completely made this game up. Okay, so I'll start us off with... If there was no help, people would have less children. Ooh. I would partly agree. Mm. I mean, I think I'd also like... Wonder about religion and how religion would play a role in um, things like birth control and curbing that kind of stuff. It is a possibility, but I don't even know if I'm convinced, to be honest. Because we just live in a world where people pro, it feels like people procreate in spite of anything. So I suppose it depends who you look at and what are the factors that go into um, contraception, right? So education is a big one. So maybe people who are more educated would have less kids. Yeah, and that's statistically true. But I do wonder about the lower classes and if it would have an effect. Kind of middle to lower. Yeah, and especially because they might be less prone to being able to afford help. Mm. And yet they are more prone to having children, mm. more more children. Mm. So, yeah, I wonder how much of a direct correlation it has to each other. Because if you think about it, I mean, people have... Kids, in spite of, you know, just look at social welfare. There's 17,000 people in South Africa. No, not 17,000. There's like, is it 17 million people reliant on social welfare? Something like that. Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely not 17,000. Something of the 17. And yeah, if I just think about my cousins from, from like the rural areas who I grew up with and we used to play all the same games and I was really close to them, started having kids at about 16. 17 some of them 15 and i remember i always remember being so shocked because i could identify with them till that point but there is also the perception um in some low economic class um sectors i guess where they also believe that the more children you have the more possibility you have to get out of poverty Mm. and not just through social welfare but also through the opportunities that you can grant each child that maybe one of them will Mm. become successful in our house, we always joke about how, like, and I mean, it, it hardly happens in our house, but we always joke about how, like, parents feel so entitled to um, to asking their kids to to do stuff. And I joke about it because it was kind of a joke in our home, right? Because, um, like, we always had enough help mm. that my mom didn't need us to do everything. But certainly if we didn't, and certainly if... Um, we had less money, that wouldn't have been the case. So, you know, I probably, and maybe a different mom. You know, I think she was really actually abused that way as a child. Like, <laughs> her siblings um, 
really became kind of the help in the home and the workers. Um, and that was standard. That was just how you grew up how back many, in the how day, many right? Siblings were like there and eight. Which number was she? She was last born. So okay, it was actually the least for her. But it was just expected that they would work in the fields. It was expected that they would clean the house. It was expected that they would do the cooking, look after the pets. It was all of the, over and above then doing well in school. But I sort of wonder if that is about resources that makes that thing happen. Or is there just like a mindset? So I, I guess I wonder even then in the higher socioeconomic classes, if there were no help, whether that mindset would kick in. And then I also wonder about like girl children, for instance, and their role. I think, um, I mean, to be honest, I have no idea how a mother or father would take care of eight kids without <laughs> having help from those kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but fundamentally, I think every, every human being should be able to be self-reliant. Mm. Um, I think it, it should be in some way like a human right to be taught how to be self-reliant, you know, because you see so many kids who have um, a very sheltered or spoiled background that, you know, when when the moment comes or the moments come when those that sheltered them aren't able to be there anymore, mm. that they literally have no idea what to do. And it's not that, you know, the the world offers you the room to learn on the spot all the time. Mm. There's some things that the world presumes you must know by the time you're a certain age mm. or if you're in a certain environment. Some are unfair, but a lot of the things are intrinsically not so, because at its fundaments you should have learned it. So are we kind of saying that the likelihood is that the more educated socioeconomic classes would be inclined toward contraceptive and then the less resourced would be potentially inclined to have more children. Yes, yeah, so I think that the the upper economic class could be could make that decision based on their capacity to afford help mm. or their you know or their relationship with contraceptives. Mm. Because very wealthy people can also be very religious. Mm. And so that might also determine how they decide to have children. But I think um, their access to help could strongly influence how they, de- how many children they decide to have. Because, mm. because again, some wealthy people just like having a lot of children. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. Mm. Hmm. So basically, the answer is it's complicated. It's so complicated. <laughs> Maybe this is why we don't answer people. <laughs> if we had no help, we would be less civilized. Ah. Uh, so freaking lutely. This is the thing. Okay, now the role of help is to dignify and to civilize our society. Mm. But the way we treat helpers often is the opposite of that. I mean, I just quickly want to know though uh-huh. that very first person that got the idea to have someone that cleans up after them, and then it's probably um, a stepsister. I'm telling you, Cinderella is true. That's <laughs> how it started. I'm telling you. <laughs> I think that there was. Either siblings or step-siblings. You know how in Cinderella her dad dies and then... um No, not her dad. Her mom dies and then her dad marries the evil mm. stepmom. And then the kids and the stepmom turn her into the help. And so she goes from like... And it's her dad's money, which is... Who died? I don't know, hey. It feels like As you're saying Cinderella. the story, I realize I don't remember Cinderella. No, I so I think I think... Her mom died and then her dad died. 
I think they she's both an died, and okay. she's an orphan. She's left alone with her the dad's mother. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Her dad's former wife, yes. and then the two kids. Yeah, and she becomes reduced to being the help. She goes from this like very comfortable, very lavish life of love and opportunity to living in the basement. Yeah. So I think it might have been like something like that. It feels like something about it feels familial. Like I'm still going to the cave times. <laughs> I really am. I, I mean, like I think there's sort of hints of it. I mean, if if you believe in the Bible, like like there are hints of it already in the Bible. But like it starts off where they talk about women that are a help. They are made for a help for man or for men. Mm. You know, so it's not just. You know, companionship. No, and love, definitely. But as a help, right? But, but that's that's what it starts as. Mm. And if, and if that's the role that women took on from the very beginning. Again, let's just like say as an example, they took that role on when they were in the beginning, and then at some point they must have realized, oh my god, I'm not good enough as a help, or I'm not enough as a help, and I need more help mm. so that I can be a decent help mm. or enough of a help, and. Then, yeah, in whichever capacity that help came along. Mm. But I guess the, what I what I wonder is, were were people living beyond their means, beyond their capacity? How did that happen? How how did it happen that your own life wasn't manageable to yourself? I don't know if that's what happened. I think people became maybe more aspirational, rather than like. Having a life that wasn't manageable, I think people. I think the human mind has probably grown much faster than our capacity. So I think there was people suddenly maybe had, I don't know, hobbies or aspirations that went beyond the family home or the domestic environment and things that they would rather do. So I think that I think. That is what's. I think it's self-actualization. I think it's, um, it's aspiration. I think it's technology, maybe to some extent. Career. I don't know what about it feels male, right? That kind of pursuit of more, mm. in spite of anything. Just that wanting more, 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 more happiness, more resources, uh, more space, more friends, more opportunities, more, more, more. And I think that's kind of, and, and, you know, men are hunters, I suppose, and women are gatherers, right? So from that caveman or cave life perspective, we already play different roles. Mm. And I feel like women were always naturally the homemakers. Um, and then the, the role of the man was to go out, create security, explore, mm. um, the landscape, see, you know, mm. what was out there. And when women caught onto that thing, I don't know if we caught on to it more than we we exist in societies that function that way. Yeah. When women... It, it, it's not that we... It's it, it's that, that that created a patriarchal society, patriarchal systems. And so to in order to thrive, women had to play a similar game. And it feels like that was maybe a big part of upsetting the balance. Mm. The original balance. But then with that, are we saying that men are not civilized? <laughs> I don't think men are civilized. What was that even ever a question? <laughs> um, yeah, I think we're definitely still very primal. So again, if we go back to men as hunters, women as gatherers, mm. berries can't run from you, but wildlife can. 
You know, like if yeah. you if you think about them having to hunt, but the the animals are intelligent too. They know what it means to be stalked, and they mm. know how to protect themselves. And so, you know, they're <laughs> what they have to bring home is running, mm. and can run pretty fast. Mm. But even things like migration, if the thing that you're supposed to be be bringing home is migrating hundreds yeah. of kilometers, yeah. yeah, you know, then I can also see the pursuit for greater access, right? Mm. For like trying to yeah. go to the place where the animals go or whatever it is. So therefore you need to yeah. really stretch where you think you can reach. Yeah. And so I don't think that that perception I think that perception really was founded on survival. I'm gonna put something to you. If domestic work were a male industry and a male problem, there would be more innovation in this space. Absolutely disagree. <laughs> you disagree? I disagree. Mm. I disagree. I feel like it would get phased out or reimagined so much faster if it were a male industry. And I think it would lose a lot of its value currently as in, in the love, to be honest, for lack of a better word. Mm. You know? Um, and in, in, in the nature of women as, as nurturers, I think that's a, a big part of its strength. But I, in a way, I find that innovative, you know, that, that like the nurture part might not have been expected and then it became a part of it. I think that's a natural evolution or innovation to the role. You know, I think, I don't know, like I sort of imagine if men were in it, that maybe it would be as mechanical as it was designed to be, mm. you know, and, and that maybe at most they would change the the wage because, you know, fundamentally like men get paid more. So maybe the wage thing would be different. I think there would be a lot more technology behind it. I think there is something in men and it would become completely mechanized, but maybe that's not a problem. If we start writing out some of the more sentimental attachments um, that come with being like commodifying a mother's love. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I think men have more audacity. I don't know if they're necessarily more ambitious. I mean, I think women can be, but I think women can have that thing too. But I think with women, it's mediated by nurturing, which is why for me, it felt like the perfect balance. It feels like the reason that men's ambition is uncurbed is because they don't have a domestic, they have a, a different type of domestic instinct. I'm still not convinced. <laughs> I think the, the, outso- the outsourcing of, of nurture speaks to what is fundamentally wrong with the way that we live. So I'm saying now the role of domestic worker completely changes. It's got nothing to do with what it is. And domestic workers, like their role in the home is replaced by machines. Would there be an emotional vacuum? Would the kids suffer? You know, I think kids suffer already <laughs> with domestic workers i think it would get worse mm. um because i think like especially this generation whether it's busyness whether it's um addictions to social media um whether it's trying to keep up with the joneses or the you know kumars or whatever um all of those things are already distractions all them keezers all them keezers i think they are in general, a lot of distractions. I think, yeah, just the aspirations that, pe- that parents have towards their children, those things already affect them gravely. I think the role that domestic workers play emotionally can never fill the role that the parents are supposed to. It can help, it can aid, but it can never be it. And so without them, 
I think there definitely would be an emotional void, but it would compound on what already exists. Yeah, so it'd be even worse. Yeah. I wonder if, do you think with time that thing would then demand or require parents to to address some of their scarcity? Mm, I think it could. (laughs) But it's not necessarily like parents were great all the time in previous generations either. No, it's true. And I mean, for me, the thing is, like the resentment thing, so... The household income thing is huge. Mm. Um, and I suppose people could adjust to living with one income. But that's just one component of it, right? I'm not even sure about that, eh? The emotional component. But I'm not even sure about the being able to um, survive on one income. So maybe the point here is that our lives are better with domestic workers than they would have been rather than thinking about like we're capable of more than we would have been. And maybe, yeah. But I mean, if we were to say, if we were to see that on an emotional or social scale, are we better socially? Are we better emotionally? Are we better psychologically? I'm saying maybe we are. Cause I don't, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. But I think, but would we be would would we be better or worse off without them? I think yo the regression that would happen out here, like buildings would just start falling. <laughs> it's just like the the liberties, and now this is very very specifically about South Africa because I can't necessarily speak about other countries. But the way that we treat help and That's help help, help now extend to like every possible industry, mm. any position that is a help. Mm. We are so morally regressive. Yeah, for with sure. The way that, and so, and to be moral, morally regressive influences emotions, influences social cohesion dramatically. It influences so much that I really think like a regression on that is a reflection of regression in a lot of other spaces. If there were no help, more working class women would be unemployed and less able to support their families. How would the working class suffer? I feel like there'd be more innovation and more uh, refined emergent economies. I actually think that it's it regresses innovation to have domestic work as an option. And I think I like I also say this in relation to, for instance, the trolley pushes, right? Mm. And they, and they got those big bags, and mm. every week when the you know, when we, our refuse gets taken, they quickly like sort out our things and then they go on their trolleys. So you think it would kind of, that void would fill itself? It would Absolutely. correct itself economically? Not necessarily correct, but yeah, I think more, more things would emerge. Um, I think when it comes to something that would correct it, <laughs> like it would have to also do with, you know, the, the sort of state of justice that the society is in if it is an unjust society the government might actually work against it it might work to to stop it or inhibit it so i think it would still be like higher forces would still play a role in how it functions but i think that those things would emerge i think innovation would emerge Hmm. that's interesting because there's obviously like the immediate effects of taking away help now yeah. And then what that looks like 50 years, 100 years down the line. 
you know, and what might emerge. But I think with something so entrenched, it would either need to be phased out or immediately replaced with something that mm. fills the gap that you almost forget that it was there. Oh my God, I really, you know, I wish more than anything I could test that out. Because it's so, it would be so interesting to find out what is the thing that our civilization is hinging on. It's in a way unfortunate that we're destruction at first because I think so much construction comes from destruction. You know, so much progress comes from it. Mm. And I think a lot of things just need a burn. I think we think we're, we're destruction of us because why do we keep making things that are self-destructive? This reminds me, and it might be our quote of the day. I read in a book called The Coming Insurrection. And the it's coming? Insurrection. Insurrection? Mm. What is that? Like when things fall apart, essentially, the coming... It's like a like a revolution oh, okay. of sorts, but where things fall apart. And it says in that book, we live in a world that holds together only through the infinite management of its own collapse. Yeah, and it's that kind of destruction of verse thing mm. Mm. that ends up getting in the way of more creative solutions rather than managing it's so crazy though because yeah i mean that makes so much sense like <laughs> it's problematic yeah so it almost feels like innovation is 10% if that 10% if that and a lot of innovation mind you is about that right it's about managing flaws in our society yeah you know um and creating kind of quick fixes and band-aids okay. and then i would say Potentially the other 90% of, of production and productivity falls into that infinite the management of collapse. And then there's the other <laughs> form of innovation that, that builds on abundance, I think. That like builds on, you know, the potential for things to be greater than they are and not greater for the sake of themselves but you know mm. um it's to to build on the existing possibilities yeah no and i think that's the good kind and that's that the rare kind that doesn't think of destruction no i think that is the good kind and the rare kind certainly the kind that i try to practice lord knows i don't have time for reality <laughs> <laughs> anyway thank you guys so much for listening to our musings this is a big part of our our work is just kind of entertaining different scenarios um, and seeing which ones can be made real. Yeah. So made is very experimental. And yeah, thanks for always giving us a, an, an ear. How can they get hold of us? We also just want to say we really do this because we get asked <laughs> a lot of mm. times. Um, and we, we don't ever assume to have all the answers. Um, and so we really do want you guys to know that we learn a lot from you guys as well. So we're always, um, you know, welcoming your comments and your ideas and your idealisms. Um, they really are so rewarding to our process as well. And with that, uh, make sure to follow our Twitter page at Made Project. That's M-A-I-D-E Project, as well as our Facebook page, The Made Sessions. Again, that's M-A-I-D-E. Have a very beautiful afternoon and see you soon. Peace.
Cliffcentral.com.